Welcome to the Investment Cuddle, episode 9. I'm Gary and I'm here with Philip. So today we're going to look at bond funds. So we've talked previously a little bit about bonds and bond funds, Philip. What sort of type of bond funds are there? There's four main ways you can own a bond. You can own the individual bond, but as retail investors that's quite difficult, so we're not going to talk a great deal about owning the individual bonds. Then you have unit trusts and OECIs, open-ended uh, investment vehicles, ETFs and investment trusts. Now, with investment trusts, there aren't a great deal of options. There's a couple there that you can go and buy that do bonds, but there's not many. Two of them that immediately I can spring to mind are Invesco Enhanced Income with the ticker IPE, who do corporate credit, and City Merchants High Yield Trust Limited with the ticker CMHY. They both do corporate credit about just under 50% UK corporate credit, 10 to 20% US, and a spattering of developed markets. Generally, these are the not the AAA end, they're the lower end, so you get, but they're very actively managed uh, to give you a reasonable income yields. I think they're around about four-ish percent. So with inside those, you'll have a good spattering of companies with high credit ratings, moderate credit ratings, and some speculative credit ratings and of different sizes, different durations, and they're actively managed, but they're quite small. The next ones you've got, you can go to ETFs. Now, most of the bond funds in ETFs are governmental bonds. Now, with ETFs, they pretty much all follow a tracker, so they're following indices, but there are some corporate bond indices out there. I'm a little, as you noticed in the previous podcast, I'm uncomfortable with corporate credit indices because they tend to follow the most indebted corporate company. So. I've always stayed away from tracker corporate bond funds, whether that be an ETF or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, But the governmental ones or emerging market ones, you can get there and there's a reasonable number. The vast majority are in the unit trust end. Yeah, and I mean, when you say the vast majority, we're talking lots, aren't we? We're probably talking possibly hundreds. Yeah, so so to me, it's all slightly confusing in the sense that, you know, there's all these different funds available, whether they're active whether, as you said, they're trackers, so they're essentially not managed. But also, um, in what bonds they buy. So when we talked about the investment trusts, they tend to just be corporate bonds, very little else. ETFs, mainly government, but some corporate bonds. When you go to unit trusts, you'll get all types. You name a bond, there'll be a bond fund for it. UK government bond, guilt funds. Index-linked UK government bonds. European government bonds. Developed markets, global government bonds. Emerging market global government bonds, just German government bonds, just American, just Canadian, they'll do those. Ones that are actively managed. Those where the manager tries to pick those ones which are called fallen angels. Previously were AAA rated corporate companies that are now below um, investment grade status, so speculative. Those that they think people have been maybe too aggressive on downgrading. You name it, there's lots okay. of them there. So there's a plethora of different bond funds unit trusts is where there's most options available that's right so in this slightly confusing world of too many options to choose from we thought we'd have a look at a couple of those unit trusts and investment trust and i think you said philip that investment trusts are not very there's not very many options around bond funds that are investment trusts. Is there a real funds. reason why that is i know we you know investment trusts are not desperately uh, there's not lots of investment trusts anyway compared to unit trusts. But is there any reason specifically why bonds did they not work well within a unit trust? I think historically, 
they used to be most investment trusts started out as just pure bond funds usually for building railways in the 1860s, 1870s, 1890s around the world and only later did they go into owning shares I think in the last 25 years or so, maybe 30 years it used to be UK taxation that made a pure bond investment trust wasn't cost competitive with a unit trust so I think it was like, I'm not 100% certain but I think it's tax reasons but there were a few. There are some investment trusts which are predominantly shares that have some bonds. Murray International is one of them. It's predominantly an international income fund, but they do own some bonds within that to slightly enhance their yield. And there's other ones in the UK that do something similar, or global bonds. But just a pure bond fund in investment trust area is quite rare. Right, okay. So we've picked one, and we've also picked an ETF. So we're just gonna go through those and have a look at their fact sheets that come with any of these funds. So the four that we're going to look at, one is the Royal London Asset Management Short Duration Global High Yield Bond Fund, which is a nice, short, catchy title. The Investment Trust is Henderson Diverse Income Trust PLC. That's from Janus Henderson Investors. With a ticker HDIV. Don't ask me what the ticker is for the Royal London one. I don't know. <laughs> Something ridiculously long. The, the other um, unit trust is Jupiter Strategic Bond Fund. And the last one we're going to look at, which is the ETF, is an iShares, so that's by BlackRock, Treasury Bond, so that's a US Treasury Bond, and it's called the 20 Year Plus ETF. So the ticker for that is IBTL. So we'll start with the Royal London asset management fund which is called short duration global high yield bond fund a nice catchy title so Philip what are these guys investing in so basically this fund invests in short-term bonds so stuff that's probably on average two years duration or less but some three years that sort of time period high yield so these are probably going to be not the AAA rated predominantly bonds. Um, assets from, so yeah, investment grade, non investment grade bonds from companies domiciled in Europe, Africa, Asia, and Americas, and some investment grade government debt. So when we look at the breakdown of the credit ratings of the bond in the fund, you'll find that of those that are investment grade, so triple B or higher, is only 5.5%. The rest of it, is non-investment grade or for euphemism junk bond so this is where you're getting a high yield because most of the bonds in here pension funds wouldn't be able to hold in large quantities okay so relatively high risk or very high risk for a bond fund this is higher risk than most in terms of what they're investing in but over short periods it's if, if those bonds are going to fail they'll fail relatively quickly yep. compared to other bond funds also, it's probably worth mentioning, this is a humanly active managed fund. They've looked at lots and lots of companies out there and said, these ones are possibly turning around. Therefore, their bonds, they have a lower, they perceive them to have a lower risk of going bust and defaulting on their bonds. Or ones where maybe the managers think that the credit rating agencies have been too aggressive in downgrading them. So they think there's a, an understanding gap between the nominal credit rating numbers that the credit rating agencies give them and how they perceived the companies who are issuing the bonds. Right, so again, you've said these guys are actively managing this fund. 
so they'll look for opportunities where they think things have been rated and probably therefore priced in a way where there's opportunity yes okay and just looking at the top top 10 bonds here a few of them you'll notice the two top biggest ones are US American treasuries uh, I think two, two year treasuries about three three percent and two point five percent slight different durations then other famous ones here you might have heard is Mattel Inc the toy manufacturer they've got one point six percent Burger King one point six percent who doesn't like a burger and then spattering Ooh. of other companies I've never heard of so these are tended probably but it gives you some idea of the spread because not everyone realizes that Burger King and Mattel probably not investment grade anymore so okay so there's a bit of government bond and government AAA debt. rated yeah government so bonds, let's yeah. say there's some there's some higher rated government debt in there and there's some company debt as well which as we've said is in the, in the junk bucket but this is a you know 1.5 billion pounds you're not playing with a small fund here it's a it's a relatively large fund so we've said this is an actively managed fund so the fees around this are 0.48% so a half a percent fee to have this actively managed that in the grand scheme of things for compared to an ordinary unit trust for equities is not a high number no, that's a relatively low number relatively low number but we'll get to the other bond funds to work out whether that's actually low in in relative terms for those funds so i think that's a good brief overview of of royal london so the next one we're going to look at was the henderson diversified income trust so this one's an investment trust the market capitalization on this fund is 160 million pounds so that's an order of magnitude lower than the Royal London Fund. So a relatively small fund. And a relatively small fund for an investment trust as well. Yes. And this is probably where you come. Most people invest in bonds. Do it by unit trusts, not investment trusts, historically. Okay. So if we looked then at the holdings on this one, what are these guys? What's the investment trust? I think we said the ticker for this is HDIV, the Henderson Diverse Income Trust. What, so, what are they investing so in? So if you look at here, high yield bonds make up around about 6%. So investment grade bonds are about 25%, about a quarter of the entire fund. And then they've got a few secured loans, so basically um, short-term bridging loans. And there's a few equities, because this might be where a company's gone bust and they've turned all of its loans, all of its bonds, into equity, known as a debt for equity swap. And this is sometimes what you'll find with those when companies go bust. Because you own the bonds, you basically get to... If you keep the company going, you take on the ownership of it. So there's always a smudgering of equities in bond funds. But that's about 2%. The other thing to look at is the denomination of the currencies. Around about 24% are in UK sterling. 70% is in US dollars. 4% is in euros. And 1.5% is in Australian dollars. Okay. So, so as you can see, it's a predominantly a US dollar denominated debt. Not necessarily meaning they're all US denominated companies. Some companies, even UK ones, have bonds in US debt. A couple of the big names in the top 10. Yeah. So, number two here is Tesco, a large, well known British retailer. Who are they? Tesco. <laughs> At around about 2.4% of the fund. Another one we probably all know, also know, is Barclays, which is in, um, funnily enough, pounds and dollar debt, cumulative comes to 2%. So even UK companies offer US-dominated debt as well as UK debt. And nationwide building societies, perpetual bonds. Virgin Media, Crown Castle, and a couple of other Americans that I've never heard of. 
Okay, so these guys pay a dividend or a yield on this. So going to print here, we're talking it's it's nominally 5%, let's say. And that will obviously depend on the price of the individual shares that you buy. But we're talking about about a 5% return, which for a bond fund doesn't strike me as a particularly bad yield. That's quite that's quite good. But when, when you understand why, it's because there's a reasonable amount of bonds that have got a lower investment grade credit and okay. a few that are probably non-investment grade that pay a higher yield. And so one of the things that I, I often look for in investment trusts is looking at the, the gearing. Because mm-hmm. for those that are familiar with investment trusts, they're allowed to gear the way they're set up as an investment company. So the Henderson Diverse Income Trust, as we say, the, the, these numbers are dependent on when you listen to the podcast, but we're saying about 15%, which is not desperately high gearing for a normal investment trust. Is there anything that really matters more about gearing in a bond fund investment trust you borrowed you're going to lose if it goes wrong you've got to pay the 15 percent you borrowed first before mm-hmm. you, so it doesn't make a yeah, difference so that's fine and the ongoing charges or the fees on this because again this will be an actively managed fund this is not a tracker is 0.89 percent so that's a little bit higher than we saw with royal london but it's paying a slightly high yield yes. at least based on th- this comparison let's say and the slight the sif- differences here between the investment trust, the Henderson one we're looking at here, and the one we looked at before from Royal London, which was a unit trust, was a unit trust. If anyone defaults there on their on their um, the coupon they're paying you, your yield, the fund will pay you, goes up and down. An investment trust can keep some of its income as reserves to maintain a flat amount or growing amount of dividend each year. So that's one of the reasons why you might want to pay a little bit more for an investment trust because they can, there's less variability in the dividend that they pay out because they, they have, they're allowed to hold back. Whereas a unit trust, all the money they get in income, they have to distribute. So if it doesn't have as much as it did last year, tough, you get lower div- yield next year. Right, so I think, are you saying that, you know, in an extremely unlikely event where we see a market crash or a recession or something like that, that the Henderson Investment Trust is more likely to maintain its dividend than Royal London. Yes, it's not guaranteed, but they're more likely because they have the ability to save money from previous years and to maintain it. Right. So, yeah, just in the interest interests then of clarity, we're saying the investment trust versus the unit trust is more likely to maintain its dividend. Yes. Okay, great. So let's have a look at the next one, which is, again, a unit trust. This one's Jupiter Strategic Bond Fund. This is a... £4.2 billion pound bond fund. So this is a significantly larger fund at £4.2 billion pounds than either the Investment Trust, which is a lot smaller than this, and the Royal London, which again is a quarter of the size. So what sort of bonds are Jupiter investing in? So this is a strategic bond fund. So this means that it gives the managers quite a wide remit of what type of bonds it's allowed to hold and the asset allocation may try and change quite a lot over time where some of the others, they're a bit more specific about what they're allowed to invest in. So at least 70% of the fund can be invested in global bonds, denominated in sterling or other currencies. Up to 30% of the fund may be invested in other assets, such as shares or other open-ended funds. So there is quite a lot of it investing between government debt and corporate credit, of various different credit spectrums. So this is a bond fund where the managers pick and choose where they think 
prices have been over, heavily discounted from what they believe the company's or the government's actual performance will be to try and give you that uh, higher yield. Okay, so did we did we say what the yield was on this? Right, so yeah, so on the on here it's saying it's distributed yield is two point nine percent, which is lower than the previous two funds that we've looked at. But again, you've said in terms of the bonds that they invest in, it's a lot more diverse. Yes. Than the other two funds, the certainly the 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 unit trust and the investment trust we've looked at. And but the, this one is to provide a steady income, but with the prospects of capital growth from buying bonds of companies that have been heavily discounted by others that they think are fallen angels as they tend to call them previously investment grade that maybe gone sub investment grade that then they believe that over time will go back to be an investment grade okay jupiter they invest in north america uk anywhere in the world it's global yeah so it's so it's right the way across the board and if you look at the fees the, the trouble is with with jupiter there's you know i like a lot of these funds there's about what, what looks like 14 different variants, and I'm, that's slightly slightly exaggerated, but if you just look at the, the type Z income, which pays a quarterly distribution of that of that income, their fee, or their ongoing charge, is 0.72%, which is somewhere between the investment trust and the unit trust that we looked at already. So again, these fees are not very high, but they're in the kind of ballpark of half a percent to 1% yeah. range so far. So the last fund we were looking at is an ETF, so an exchange-traded fund, which is the iShares Treasury Bond, 20 years plus. So the ticker for that is IBTL. So the size of this fund is 1.1 billion US dollars. You'll be buying the unit of this particular fund in pounds, but essentially it's a US currency that the fund is priced in. So, Philip, what are these guys investing in? So these are invested in U.S. Treasuries. U.S. Treasuries are the name given to U.S. government bond funds, so the equivalent of gilts, but for the Americans. This particular fund invests in Treasuries that have a maturity of over 20 years left. So this would be the 20-year, 30-year, 50-year Treasuries bonds. Okay, so this is really very one-dimensional for me. This is a, a Treasury is equivalent to a U.K. gilt, Correct. which is a government bond. So you're just buying US government bonds. I think the distributed yield on here, they're saying it's just over 2%. So that's a little bit lower than the other three funds. But but fundamentally, this is probably the most focused of these four funds. Yes. If you believe that the US government is the best place to put your money and to have your money in dollars, so you're not keen on the pounds, so you just want to price, the, you know, you, you want to be following the US dollar because you think the US dollar is going to do better than the pound, i.e. be stronger, you could go for this ETF. Yes, because and it's very specific about what it is. If you want to actively manage what your percentage of U.S. government debt you want to have as bonds, yeah, and I think the key point there that. is you're actively managing yes. it. This is an ETF. This, this is your tracker just, that you talked about before. Yeah, so this tracks bonds. So it buys the market weighting average of over two twenty year U.S. government debt. So it just follows it just follows the um, tracker for that. So the exact breakdown of how much 20-year, how much 30-year, and how much 50-year is on whatever the tracker says is what the US government has issued so far. Okay, so of the four that we've looked at, would you say that the US Treasury Fund is the least diverse? Yes, in many ways, because it only invests in a small section of the US Treasury market. But that might be very good if you want to make your own mix of US Treasuries and corporate bond funds yourself. 
that's why these ETFs are useful. They allow you to be the manager yourself and say, how much treasuries do you want? How much gilts do you want? And allows you to actually buy gilts and buy treasuries in, as an individual. Okay. And I guess the other interesting point on this one is we've said that the yield is a little over 2%, which is the lowest of the, of the four we're looking at. But also the charges, the ongoing charges are 0.07%, which... Looking at the other three, that's an order of magnitude less. So this is the whole point about ETF tracker type funds. Being very, very cheap. But just to re-emphasize this, you're buying a tracker, which might be very good for what you want. But if it's not, it can be very dangerous. So understand that if the tracker is actually is tracking something you actually want, that's a good thing. So tracking US treasuries, it's very narrow. That's quite a good idea. There's not much variation in there and it keeps the cost very low. Take an example of a corporate bond tracker. One of the UK corporate bond indices is the Market Ibrox indices, which basically is a market weighted average of the debt that companies have issued. So you're buying the biggest, you're buying a tracker that just tracks buys the biggest indebted debt, debtor. That might be quite uncomfortable just to have a tracker buying that it'd be very cheap because you might be buying companies that were started off triple a and now going all the way down to sub investment grade and you won't really know because it's just following momentum so you have to really understand what you're buying quite happy i'm personally quite happy to buy single tracker funds that do uk government gilts or us treasuries when you start going to corporate bonds i'm very uncomfortable just having a tracker buying corporate bonds whether US, UK or global or even emerging market debt for that matter government emerging market debt because in that instance you're saying you wouldn't be watching the news on those companies or have enough information available to be able to actively manage that fund yourself yes by buying and selling it as, as required so I guess that's an, an, an interesting health warning on the the tracker or the ETF if you then turn around and said well okay if you want a little bit of the US Treasury Fund the ETF there, the iShares one, in your portfolio, you could do that. If you want to be a bit more diverse, we were looking at the Jupiter Fund earlier on, that's significantly more diverse than any of the other ones we've been looking at, I think it's fair to say. So that's much more global, and the actual bonds that they're owning are lower risk, or better rated is probably a better way of putting it. They're better rated than either the investment trust which was the Henderson Diverse Income or Royal London? No, because it's a strategic bond fund. The managers have the remit to go quite heavily into investment grade or quite heavily into non-investment grade. So over a time period, their relatively amount will probably change quite a bit to where their managers think is the best opportunities. Some points it's going to be the higher rated investment grade. Other times it's going to be in the lower rated jump bond in so right. they could have so when you're saying risks you could be quite diverse so coming back then to henderson diverse income and the royal london short duration bond fund royal london's the unit trust henderson's the investment trust would you say they are investing in similar types of bonds predominantly yes the only difference is the royal london is probably at the shorter duration end compared to the investment trust. I think the investment trust is investing in bonds are a little bit longer than the average of two years. But otherwise, when it looks at the credit 
rating ref, uh, ratings of their distribution of what they bonds they invest in they're probably very similar mainly non-investment grade debt okay so let's add because we've we've picked those four because it's four we know about as we said there's a plethora of funds out there so these are by no means a recommendation of any any kind but let's assume that the Royal London and Henderson are, as you said, looking at non-investment grade. Let's switch then to the fact that one's an investment trust, one's a unit trust. Is there any benefit to owning the investment trust over the unit trust in this in this bond fund scenario? Yes, there's there's advantage to owning one over the other, and there's a diff uh, for both of them. So we take the first one for things that are quite illiquid, such as, make sure we say lower grade speculative corporate credit corporate bonds where if they get to a recession they could be very difficult to sell a closed end investment vehicle like an investment trust where the manager doesn't have to sell his underlying assets to allow you to get out because you trade on the stock exchange the guy buying the shares from you allows you to instantly get out but the manager doesn't have to sell the underlying shares means he's quite stable so he can ride out some of the storms. Unit trust, unfortunately, if you decide to put, take your money out, he's got to sell something to get the money back. Now, when things get very liquid, he runs out of his cash reserves quite quickly, and you can get a problem that has been experienced in the last couple of years with property unit trusts and Woodford Capital Management's invest unit trusts where they were so illiquid he couldn't sell them fast enough and he had to stop redemptions for many months. Same with the property funds, they had to stop redemptions for up to half a year to sell enough stuff to then get, give it back to the investors. Whereas an investment trust never needs to do that. You can always get out of it from the active market without the manager having to, um, to sell the underlying assets. So that's the advantage of the investment trust for illiquid assets over a unit trust. The advantage the unit trust has over the investment trust is if you're a relatively small investor, it's cheaper to buy unit trusts than it is to buy investment trusts. With investment trusts, you've got to pay your stockbroking fee to buy in and out. So therefore, unless you're buying, as we talked in one of our episodes earlier, unless you're buying relatively large chunks at a time, a chunk of, say, £2,000 or higher, your typical stockbroking fee is about a tenner. So therefore, anything low that, you're paying quite a high percentage of fees. Whereas a unit trust, it's sort of fixed. For most platforms, you're just paying the difference in the bid offer spread, which is like 0.2, And that can be things as small as £25 a month. So it all depends on how much, how regularly you're buying and at what size you're buying. For something that's very, very liquid, I will prefer to buy them in an investment trust instead of a unit trust. You may not have that opportunity. So, but it's something you ought to bear in mind. I guess... The idea there is to, if, you, if you're looking at buying a particular bond fund off your platform, whoever that is, go in, Google search the fund, have a look at the fact sheet, have a look at their latest report, because all of the information we've been talking about today is buried in those documents. And if you want to understand the level of risk you're taking with any of these, you've got to look at the numbers. You've got to have a read through the detail. Otherwise, it's more speculative, black or red, roulette, you know, you either win or you lose in terms of what you're investing in, because actually you don't know. Is that and you're a fair not point? really investing because you're just gambling, because you don't actually understand what it is you invest, think you're investing in. Yeah, so we just encourage you to 
look at those fact sheets. They're not the most interesting read, but if you are investing your own money or, or indeed somebody else's, have a read of that information because it is key to having what we hope will be a successful investment. And always remember the golden rule. Don't invest in something you don't understand. Absolutely. I think I'm probably guilty of that. So we'll uh, we'll leave it there. Thank you, Philip, for your input today. And we'll see you next time. This programme has been presented for information and educational purposes only. None of the information or content of the programme is to be taken as an offer, opinion or recommendation by the programme's hosts or guests to buy or sell securities. Nor is it intended to provide legal, tax, accounting, commercial or financial advice. Opinions and comments are based on information from sources believed to be reliable. All investing involves risk as prices go up or down based on a number of factors. Always consider consulting a financial professional before investing.